Welcome to this 19th edition of Free Speak, a podcast of the Namibia Media Trust, where we talk about all things media. I'm your host, Gwen Lister. In this episode, I'll be talking to the man who's watching the watchdogs through a process known as media self-regulation. Self-regulation is a pledge by quality-conscious media professionals to maintain dialogue with the public. These are actually not my words, but it's a good way of describing the endeavor by newsrooms to abide by a code of ethics and be accountable to the public. Journalists in several countries on the continent have opted for this system with varying degrees of success. In Namibia, things limped along over years of push and pull between media and government and in the ranks of the journalist fraternity itself before they finally got their act together and consolidated. So with the formation of the Editors Forum of Namibia, a voluntary association of editors, a media ombudsman was appointed to arbitrate complaints by members of the public who felt they hadn't been dealt a fair hand by the media. With me today to talk about the concept of self-regulation, including the promise and the problems of this system, is Dr. John Nakuta, and I know he doesn't often call himself doctor, but he certainly is one, who's a law lecturer at UNAM in his day job, and who's just been appointed for a second term as media watchdog. Welcome, John, and thanks very much for taking time to help demystify your role for people who are either unfamiliar with your mandate or unsure whether you're there for the press, for the people, or for the politicians for that matter. Welcome. Thank you very much, Gwen, and thank you for the invitation. Thanks, John. Let's start out straight away uh, with a sort of broader question, and that would be media uh, regulation can be said to be a commitment on the part of editors to accept their share of responsibility for the quality of news and information offered to the public by media, while fully preserving their editorial independence in helping to shape it. Do you see this, along with the promotion of quality journalism, as an important safeguard of media freedom, and through that, ultimately, democracy? Very much so. Whilst you are posing the question I'm thinking about, of course, the Namibian constitution guarantees a lot, a lot of rights. Amongst others, the right to freedom of expression, which includes the media and academic freedom, but in this case, media freedom. But we are also saying, in as much as there are rights, rights also go together with responsibility. So in the context of the media, yes, in as much as there is a right to freedom of of the media, uh, but the media must also be responsible. Mm. And so the media is then, in terms of the code that you've mentioned, uh, held responsible to certain standards and codes that they must uh, adhere to so as to ensure that we really have a responsible media that is also not reckless, because you also don't want to be accused of being reckless in your reporting and, and being a, a living in a world in your own and whatever. So because the media is not an island on its own. Right. So, so basically I see this all things being together. You cannot have a right without um, the necessary responsibilities on your part 
in as much as the state and the government is having an obligation to observe that right of yours, you are also having an obligation to make sure that you exercise that right of yours within the confines of set rules and guidelines. Exactly. And of course, probably democracy itself uh, benefits from good public discourse and, and polity media. Very, uh, very much so. Very much so. I can't agree more. John, of course, self-regulation isn't the only way that people can seek redress against the media, mm -hmm. but it is a people-friendly one. And I think this is something that probably needs to be emphasized because it's cost-free for those who can't afford access to the courts, for example. Yes, yes. Some choose to go the route of the courts, but this is obviously, in these pandemic times, also very risky for financially yes. fragile media, yes. which can and have been silenced yes. by corporates and or governments yes. wielding financial muscle or the might of state power, respectively. Yes. Yes. Historically, of course, we're reminded of draconian actions such as when the former head of state banned all advertising in the Namibian in 2001, mm -hmm. a move which was certainly designed to silence this independent voice. I presume that you as ombudsman would obviously encourage people or those with complaints against the media to choose the route of your office rather than other options. Why do you feel this is the right way to go? Because as you've mentioned, thank you for the question, as you've mentioned, Going the alternative dispute resolution route is much cheaper. Mm -hmm. You determine the own, your own outcomes. Um, the process is much more flexible mm -hmm. and is, of course, much more speedier, the kind of justice that you would get. And I'll give you a practical example. Please do. Um, just this week, I don't know if you've seen yesterday's Namibian on page two, and I'm going to talk later about this, we ran... A, an apology and a retraction by the Namibian uh, about an article that was published uh, against uh, Councillor Aaron's Just in, in the Kitman's Whoop um, area. area constituency about mm -hmm. what has happened during one of the council meetings. One of the reporters of the, the Namibian uh, ran the story without having verified or heard the other side oh, right. of the story. Jazz, Councillor Jazz in this case, uh, complained to the media ombudsman. He could have gone to court because uh, he felt uh, he was portrayed in a bad light and whatever. But he came to the court, I mean to the media ombudsman. Right. Later complained, the media ombudsman took it up. Uh, uh, the editor of the Namibian was gracious enough and bold enough to admit that really we've made a mistake in this regard and right. we are offering a, an apology and a retraction. I've, as the media ombudsman, asked him to, to, to draft, with my permission, I mean to draft, take the initiative to draft the apology and the retraction, and then send it to me for final approval as the code provides for. Right. And then, of course, I ran it with uh, the complainant in this case. This guy was in 10 or 15 minutes, uh, came back and said, I totally accept this. And I regard this as soon as possible. If they can publish this, this for me is fine or whatever. What I'm trying to say, within a, a, mm. a, a period of a month, mm. this guy got the kind of justice that he wanted. Because in many exactly. instances, people just want an apology exactly. for their names to be cleared. And what, what happened yesterday, 
uh, again under my direction, that the, the apology and the retraction must be given, as the code says, the same prominence. So yesterday, and under the banner, also I indicated, under the banner of the media ombudsman, so that people out there can see, right. hey, this office is doing something. So in yesterday's uh, paper, on page two, in the Namibian, under the banner of the, 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 the media ombudsman, the apology and retraction as drafted and, and uh, approved by the ombudsman has been published. Right. So this is what we mean. Um, alternative dispute resolution is the way to go because, Absolutely. as I said again, the outcomes is in the hands of the two disputing parties. Right. Going to court, there's no way that you would necessarily get um, the outcome that you want because in the litigation, the magistrate, the judge, uh, they decide. Exactly. So it can go against you or for you, but you don't know. Absolutely. And, and you as a lawyer know that well-known phrase of justice delayed is justice denied. Very and much so. The same applies to the media, doesn't it? So I think one of the interesting aspects of what you've just told me is that it was speedy, Very number so. one, and it was cost-effective. No cost at all. And everybody, as I say, everybody cooperated in, in the process. So that's a, that's a very good sign, John. And I'm really not. This, this gentleman, he told me that he's currently in, 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 in isolation. Okay. And from his isolation bed or whatever, within, after I've sent him the email, within a space of half an hour, I got whatever. That just shows I'm totally, because I sent him the draft uh apology and retraction of the Namibian right. and he agreed this is one and he actually congratulated uh, me for for because I thanked him also thank you very much for having opted right for using this process exactly you could have gone to court and it might have taken years exactly. in court yes. and John that actually that's a very interesting example thank you for giving it and that leads me to another point which is that as you probably know, the public these days are very unforgiving yes. of a media that makes mistakes. Now, we all know nobody's perfect, yes. um, and neither are all complaints legitimate, mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. sure you will like to say something yes. about that. Mm -hmm. With the media speaking truth to power, mm -hmm. as the saying goes, rightly or wrongly, will, it will always be resented, mm -hmm. no matter how pertinent that may be, especially on the part of government. Mm -hmm. So in the majority... And this is, sorry, a bit of a multi-pronged question, but in the majority, who are the complainants? Is it members of the public? Because it's my understanding that this system is really being put in place for exactly ordinary mortals exactly. Um, like you and me, and not for the top brass and the politicians who have got money and can use other recourse if they want to do so. So is it their to protect these ordinary people or politicians and public figures. I'd also be curious to know whether civil society, which includes, for example, the unions and the churches and so on, who often represent the marginalized and ordinary folk, have ever taken issue using the self-regulatory -regu mechanism. Mm -hmm. Looking back at the trends of your decisions, do you detect a malignant bias on the part of the media as some would claim, and perhaps we can look at this example you've just given, or are these mostly honest mistakes on the one hand, or 
as it sounds like in the case you've cited, sloppy journalism. Mm -hmm. Well, with regard to who complains, uh, the majority of the complaint is really from most of what I've dealt with is from the ordinary man and woman in the street. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And um, But obviously, um, we've also seen politicians. Last year, during the presidential uh, election, uh, electoral commission, that we've seen politicians uh, also complaining. Uh, but I must say that in that case, I ruled against, because one of the politicians, for example, uh, from the north, from, from Kabangu West, uh, was complaining that um, the NBC attended his, his rally mm -hmm. and, and, and it's not the first time that nothing appeared. Yeah, nothing <laughs> appears. Right. So now I can't tell the, 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 the NBC what the to NBC, do. Exactly. Right. And I remember I've also had uh, before the LPM and, and I'm, as in the area, we are supposed to be transparent. And, and so just before the, the, the LPM was um, transformed into a political movement, they've also had a similar complaint. But right. even also in that case, I'm also telling them, guys, I can't interfere. Right. Because the, the, the editorial media, independence is exactly not your point. reserve. So, yeah. so, so it's a mixed bag. And of course, uh, then we have uh, the biggest of political complaints, so to speak, that we must probably decide over the next two to three weeks is the complaint that we've received from the highest political office in the country right. uh, from the presidency. I wouldn't want to elaborate too much, in right. it, but suffice it to say that we've received a complaint against the Namibian uh, from the presidency in terms of which they are alleging that what has been published um, was malicious, uh, was, was meant in a way to paint uh, the, the presidency in a bad light, and whatever right. the case may be. Right. So what I'm trying to say is there seems to be also a move from the politicians to begin to use the system. In fact, three weeks ago, I've, I've asked the LPM as a political partner, right. because uh, they've also said uh, the current complaint that they made to me was... Um, uh, they are complaining a guy against the presidency mm -hmm. um, being, uh, what is it, victimizing the, the, the media. media and whatever. So I asked them, well, well, your complaint is very general. Could you kindly, for me to see whether I have in the first place jurisdiction over right. your complaint. Right. So could you kindly provide me with more particulars to use that word? Yes. And, I'm, and, and, they, and, and I, I, I think the second in charge came back. To me and said okay we are working on that okay so so at least politicians are beginning to um, also want to use the system but with regard to politicians I'm just saying I'm very conscious of this concept and I want I don't want to preempt the decision that I will make but I will be very careful not to be captured by, right. by any force absolutely because uh, one of the, the the key principles is the issue of independence of the office, right. the, the, the right. office of the media ombudsman. Right. And so I should not be seen, every time people are asking me, it's like, well, who's really your appointing authority? Mm -hmm. um, the appointing authority of the, e, uh, of the, of the ombudsman. And, and I would say the EFN. But then they say, and they remind me of this thingy, 
whoever pays the piper calls the tune. Right. And I'm saying, well, I can honestly say, even there, even if there is now this perceived uh, notion of bias, right? They are really not interfering. No, exactly. Uh, in into the procedures of the of the work of the of the media ombudsman. So. And they are really trying to stick to that independence. And seem to be accepting the outcomes if, exactly. if this latest yes. case is an indication. But in as much as the appointing authority must be independent, right. um, the, the office must also very much in, be independent of any other interest, whether it's political interference Correct. or other big businesses that may want to... To, to, to one, or even foreign interference. Right. I, I know, for example, that's why one is so careful... And of course, funding is a problem, but I remember that talking to um, Elizabeth, for example, that is the administrator, she's saying all over these years, there was this, who, from who should we take money from this office? Because at right. the end of the day, right. um, you also don't want to be seen or to be accused of being in the pockets. of. Um, and lastly, to come to the question with regard to churches and civil society organizations. Right. Um, not very much. Not at all. Not, okay. No, I won't say not at all, because um, I had from the, a, a, a complaint from the Break the Wall of Silence okay. last year. I recall that. With, with regard to a compl- um, a issue that was raised in, or written or reported on in, in The Sun. So there, in, in that context, the chairperson of that organization, Pauline Damper, okay. took the matter up. But it's not very many from civil society organizations. So the, 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 the request would be from everyone. It's not just from the, for the men and women in the street, but it's also for civil society organizations, church groups. I haven't yet officially received. I think this complaint that we're currently dealing with, the, the issue of abortion, it's not really per se the, a, a church group. It's a member of a church. So she seems to be complaining um, in her own right, in, in her own name, even though she's mentioned... It's got a religious kind of context. Yes, yeah, yeah. But it's not officially from the church, yeah. I'm glad what, you've, what, what you've cited other, those examples, yes, John. Sir, what was the other part of the question? Um, it was just to say whether, whether you felt that the, the, the overall looking at the complaints, whether media, because there are people out there and certainly in the political arena where they say, ah, oh, the media are just biased and malignant yeah, and yeah, want yeah. to. So yeah. of the complaints you've received, I mean, do you detect that there's validity in a malignant bias on the part of media towards politicians or whatever, or do you think that it's just often boils down to sloppy journalism? You know what, uh, with this work, there's one thing that I, I learned, and I, I must admit, before taking on this, yeah. I would accuse the judges, why don't you want to, 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 to express yourself on a certain issue? Yeah. And this is what, and, and the argument would be, a problem related to this may land on my table, and then if uh, I yes, already I express myself, then I might be seen as being biased. So okay, I would take the same approach. Fair it's enough. like, yes, honestly, I've heard yes. uh, people complaining, but I don't want to say that there really seems to be, because tomorrow if I were to 
make a judgment and say, okay, what did you expect? But you already this guy already preconceived. Expressed, yeah, exactly. having this preconceived ideas. Okay. So for that, I really wouldn't want to elaborate on that. Okay, fair yeah. enough, John. Um, there are some criticisms, and maybe they will be to a large extent silenced, especially as the work of your office becomes more known, like mm-hmm. the case you've just recently mm-hmm. cited, which I think actually is a more important one than we may think on the surface of things. But many think, okay, this media ombudsman, he's actually toothless. Mm. What can he really do? You can't send journalists to jail. Mm. You can't Mm. levy them with massive Mm. fines. Mm. Neither can you actually force them to correct or to retract uh, Mm. news reports Mm. um, if you adjudicate against them. It all Mm. depends on goodwill and cooperation to a very large large extent. And, and, and there are others who say that the downfall of the self-regulatory system, i.e. the ombudsman, mm. is precisely that it is based on a voluntary association of editors who mm. subscribe mm. to the code of ethics mm. uh, rather than a compulsory system in which all editors or all media have to uh, be part. Um, the case of whether you can hear complaints against media who are non-compliant, i.e. outside the self-regulatory mechanism, Mm. is an interesting one. Um, So can you hear such complaints? And given these criticisms, how do you generate public trust and faith in this process? I want to understand, can can the media ombudsman adjudicate against non-members? Is that the question? Exactly. Can they hear a case, let's say, of someone outside of... Yeah, the code is very clear. Right. The, 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 code, okay, the code only applies to, uh, because it's voluntary, to right. those ones that have signed up to. So the, right. And I had a few problems, especially with one uh, media house, and again in the interest of transparency, Informante, for example, they are not a member. And, and, and they would tell me either straightforward, and there's one case where, where they made it clear, no, we're not going to comply with you in this case. But in another case, they did. So, unfortunately, that is the case. Also, the code does not apply to uh, freelance journalists. So, that is the case. And one of the the, the shortcomings is the enforceability. You've mentioned it. The enforceability of the sanctions or the findings, so to speak, against a, a... a, a media house. Mm. We've got one example, for example, where we agreed within a mediation session um, that this should be the case. And the editor came out, the managing editor came out, and she never actually bothered to enforce this. And of course, the person complained. I brought this. So maybe if there's a need to look at and to look at these gaps and whatever, right. that should be to learn from other pra- best practices how they go about in dealing with that. Right. Yeah. John, unfortunately, we're going to have to wind up, but just maybe one or two more questions. Mm. And and one that I think um, needs to be asked is, you know, increasingly it seems that journalists, for example, feel that their rights, Mm -hmm. uh, be it in relation to working conditions Mm. or perceived Mm. um, threats to their safety Mm. or Mm. independence or ability, rather, Mm. to report independently, are under threat. Now, we know that your office isn't the right platform Mm. to raise those concerns, Mm. Um, and maybe even the planned journalist union that's on the way is going to be able to effectively deal with them. With your knowledge of the law, what recourse do you think journalists have within the existing legal framework uh, to resolve complaints of their own? Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, the Labour Act is clear. 
journalists for right. all intents and purposes right. are, are employers, employees, excuse me, are employees. Mm-hmm. So, so this is exactly, and the constitution provides for any uh, people, I was like groups of people to organize themselves and to form uh, an association, a trade union, whatever. So through that, they would be able to effectively, especially when it comes to uh, conditions of employment and whatever, to, to, to take it on and to register cases with the Labour Commissioner's office, uh, because that is the platform in terms of our law, uh, at least when it relates to um, working conditions and whatever. Right. But obviously also there are others, it's like they are also entitled when it comes to security issues, th- uh, threats to their lives, the normal recourses of criminal law, whatever, it's also available to them. But uh, them having an organized voice would just add to we taking this on on behalf of our members. All right. Yes. John, just to maybe just to, to conclude, um, I don't want to give you a lot more work than you need. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important that the, the Office of Ombudsman via the self-regulatory system is made more familiar to the people of Namibia so that they, they know, yes. they don't wonder what can I do if I've been yes. aggrieved by the media and yeah. go there and mm-hmm. know that their complaint will be dealt with. Yes. I have noticed, and, and it is something of a criticism, that neither the Editors Forum of Namibia nor the Office of the Ombudsman are basically on social media, yes. where a lot of the youth, for example, mm-hmm. are increasingly mm-hmm. more active. Yes. Um, so really, my last question to you would be, and I'm sure it's something you want yourself, mm-hmm. for people to really believe in the system. How do you go forward from here and, if you like, spread the gospel of self-regulation? If you can conclude yes. with no, comments. that's fine. I'll be trying very brief, but capture the essence of what you're saying. There's a, definitely a case to be made for more visibility from the side of the media ombudsman. And I think I would want to use this last uh, term of mine, uh, or second term, to to make to to work on that. Coincidentally, what has happened yesterday is one of the things that I said. Uh, certain decisions right. must be published under the banner of the media ombudsman, so that people can see something is done. Um, and this decision was, a complaint was made, so we've started officially with that yesterday. The code is saying that annual reports, I've committed, I've, I've complied, what is it, produced two annual reports so far, then the third one must be done, I think, within the next, whenever the next general meeting is. Right. Uh, annual reports are supposed to be av- available online. It is unfortunately not online. Okay. But we need to do that. Right. Um, all the rulings given by the media ombudsman is supposed to be online as a way of, of access to justice so that Correct. people that wants to study uh, these rulings and whatever, to, to whatever, for whatever reasons, people must have access to this. And we are now currently working backwards. Okay. It's like with all the reasoned ones, make it a point. I, I give it to the administrator. Please let these things be available. And then... Um, all the others that are not there, we're going back and try to refine them and then put them, put them on, at least for, for, for the period that I am. And then lastly, um, the Media Complaints Committee that is supposed to work alongside the Media Ombudsman right. has not been used. We will be the first for the first time using this uh, committee 
over the for the next two three over the next two three weeks with these two hearings that are coming a public right. hearings that'll be interesting but, but that that step should be a way that the media ombudsman and I'm trying to try and find my how can I uh, go out and make because it's not just me at the end of the day right there are at least two other committees that is working uh, supposed to be working with the media ombudsman so we're trying to apply our minds and see how can we make ourselves more visible firstly with what the code requires from us and then also uh, maybe have this um, very active Facebook page, social media, and all those kind of things. That'll be something even, to even look forward to. Even if it's not to. me, but also other members, because of together course. with me, there are at least ten other people yeah. that must that that is working with me. So we we are into this, and the second term would be used to try and, and consolidate and your that yeah. Great, your yeah. outreach, John. I, I must say that it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very and much. And we haven't by any means exhausted this discussion, <laughs> so I'm actually sad that we have to cut it off here, but maybe you can just conclude by giving us the website address of the Office of the Ombudsman, if you have it in your head. I don't really have it. Okay, well, people can, (laughs) Google is your friend, guys, so um, have a look and you can see what John is doing and uh, very good luck for the for some controversial cases that lie ahead, John. I'm sure there's going to be lots of public interest. Thank you very much. And maybe what we can do, because that would be the first time that we've done it, we can have a follow-up on this, especially immediately after the two public hearings that is coming up. Maybe I can just use this opportunity. We are going to have a a public hearing with the presidency versus the Namibian um, public hearing, and now with the relaxation of the of the regulations, Mm -hmm. Um, it might happen within the next two to three weeks. And then we've got also a public hearing on uh, allegations of uh, censorship of anti-abortion messages again by the the Namibian. So very interesting. And so maybe I can come and explain as a public service, I mean service rather, uh, the outcomes of these hearings and what the media complaints committee, not just myself, and then we can have, uh, as a follow-up, a member of the Media Complaints Committee to together also. with me to join you. And then we elaborate. And this is part of making this office much no. more visible and known. Exactly. That's no. what I would suggest. John, I would say that we. I look forward to really uh, hearing about those cases. And to everyone out there, watch the space. John will be back and we will do part two of this discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thank you.